Hello, welcome back to the Diamond Hard Caucus. This is the premium feed for the Rock Hard Caucus podcast. This is the shit you pay for. This is the the ultimate Rock Hard Caucus experience. The good shit. I'm Justin. You know me by now. Uh, and today we're going to do a little something new. I'm joined by a returning friend, Tony. Hello again, folks. Hey, Tony. I don't think I've said your last name on the podcast, should I? Uh, if you want to. Okay, it's Tony Lacurdo, right? It, that's correct. Good, Actually, good. Um, a lot of people don't pronounce that right, so I'm, I'm very happy that you did. Good. I don't think I've ever said it out loud before now, so I'm glad well, I got it right. <laughs> most people don't. Most people call me Chobes, which is another thing that your fans just paid for. That's right. That's Chobes, everybody. Yeah, exclusive content. You know the alternate identity of Tony. Uh, well, we are getting back together because uh, we. this is something we mentioned on Tony's episode of the Willie Wilden review. Uh, we want to read Sonic the Hedgehog comics and talk about them together. So this is the first, this is the pilot episode of what will probably be a new series, uh, which we've decided to call Speed Freak Read Speak. How's that sound? Do you like that? Do you like I that, Tony? It. I love it. I believe I told you I love it before, and I, I'm really glad I get to like hear it now. It makes <laughs> it feel real. Yeah. So this is Speed Freak Read Speak. Uh, the Speed Freak, of course, is Sonic the Hedgehog himself, and we are both reading and speaking about his comics. So that's that's the name of this series, Speed Freak Read Speak. And uh, today we're going to be discussing issue number one of the Archie Comics series, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, but before we start actually digging into the content of this comic book, I thought that we might uh, spend a few minutes just discussing our personal histories with the character himself. So, Tony, when did you first encounter Sonic the Hedgehog? Um, I would probably consider myself like an orthodox Sonic follower in that, mm -hmm. you know, I read the original Testaments, the Sonic 1 through 3 on the Sega Genesis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know the other stuff like Sonic Adventure. I probably revisit every couple of years and um, I do love it. But in the same way, I love Kratom, I would say. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, you know, you drink this big sludgy drink and it kind of makes you feel good. But it's it's kind of hard to convince other people to drink it if they haven't before. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good comparison. Um, I personally, my parents had a Sega Genesis before they had me. So I kind of grew up alongside the, the console. And when I was very young, I think probably the most interesting game that we had for the Sega Genesis was Sonic 2. So I spent a lot of time with that. Uh, really enjoyed the, the visual and the, the music components of that game, especially the special stages where you're like running down that half pipe thing. Mm -hmm, like the pseudo 3D graphics, that shit fucking blew my mind when I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. That was very, that was like state of the art, the bleeding edge of technology. <laughs> oh yeah, it made me bleed for sure. <laughs> and I remember playing, uh, well, Sonic 2 was uh, also groundbreaking in that it had a second character that you could play as who uh, served very little purpose. But if you plugged in a second controller somebody could play as Tails, and you could have him on the screen for a few seconds at a time before yeah. Sonic outruns him. Did you uh, Did you have siblings growing up? I did, but most of my experience with uh, playing Sonic 2 with two players was with my mom. 
Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, my experience playing Sonic was with my brother, and I think brothers are more likely to bully each other each other than, like, a mother-son relationship. <laughs> yeah. And Tails was automatically bullied no matter what. He's a character designed to be bullied and left Absolutely. Behind. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if somebody, like, if you're not just terrible at the game, like, you're going to escape Tails instantly. He's much slower, and he'll just, he'll never keep up. Nope. But I still, like, it was fun to play that with my mom when I was, you know, too young to know better. And on the the comic book side of this, my dad co-owned a comic store with a couple of his friends when I was very young for, oh, no like, for like a year or two okay. in, uh, in Sioux City, Iowa. So I was also very immersed in in that form of media at a young age. Yeah, that sounds pretty sick. Yeah, so I was like the perfect target audience for the Sonic the Hedgehog comic. But I don't think I was really reading it at the time. I don't remember really encountering the comic book itself until Sonic Adventure. When the Dreamcast was coming out, my dad and I saw it. Like, like before the console was released, they had like a, a demo one set up at some game store. And we saw the first Sonic Adventure level where he runs away from that killer whale. Yep, classic moment. Yeah, a lot like the the half pipe in Sonic 2. It was like, damn, this is like the best looking thing I've ever seen and will ever see. So we were very impressed and uh we got a Dreamcast when it came out and I uh I have similar feelings about Sonic Adventure as what you described. Like it's <laughs> I love it in a way, but it is objectively it has a lot of, uh, I would call, mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, and the thing about the mistakes is they are kind of what makes it good, so it's, like, mm-hmm. really hard to, like, criticize it because, like, I love it for all the things that I kind of trash it for. Yeah, and when I was nine years old, it was like, this is the best thing I could possibly be spending my time doing. So yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I fell into the trap of getting really into Sonic the Hedgehog when I was, like, nine and ten. And that was when I noticed the Sonic the Hedgehog comic because they did an adaptation of Sonic Adventure. And I saw a cover on the shelf that had Chaos, that water monster guy. Yeah, with the brain and he keeps getting bigger. Yeah, there was. they released a comic where the cover was like the end boss of Sonic Adventure where Chaos is huge and there's like the buildings being smashed and stuff. So that's what attracted me initially to the comic. And at that point, like, the comic had been going on for several years and was getting very weird. (laughs) Was this around when Ken Penders started picking it up? Yeah, he was, I I don't know for sure, but I know he was involved, but um, I don't know how long he had been, like, the main guy. But it was very much into the Penders story years. (laughs) So there was, like... I opened this comic up and it's like, it's an adaptation of the game, but it's also, it has to run with these just bizarre decisions that this guy Ken Penders was making. So there's like, there's like a really short, wrinkly old man who's a character who like, I don't know where he came from. It was a very confusing moment for me, realizing that while I'd been enjoying video games, like there was this entire alternate universe surrounding mm-hmm. this character. Yeah. And I think a lot of your listeners are probably at least vaguely aware of the Sonic alternate universe because it's very much like a cultural phenomenon. Oh, yeah. We all know uh, characters such as 
uh, Boomer and oh. Antoine. <laughs> well, what, what I want to ask you is, have you ever done the thing where like you Google your name plus the hedgehog? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely have. Yeah, this is like a whole like people are into this. It's huge and you don't really see it. I I don't know. Like I kind of want to compare it to like some kind of like underground, like they're everywhere, but you never know who's in the culture and who's not. Like you kind of want to learn the handshake. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got its own like subculture. It's I'd say it's closely related to the furry fandom, but it's also its own distinct thing. Yeah, that's probably safe to say. I'm not an expert on furry fandom. I could probably consult some experts, but like, <laughs> I'm sure those people are kind of like brushing up against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, when I I was getting really into Sonic, I was like just shy of becoming one of those people. I think I really enjoyed like the character designs, like the sort of squat animals who have uh, sort of rebellious attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> i loved that and then when i started reading the comic i was like wow this is like complex in bizarre ways that (laughs) intrigue me like even at the time i was like kind of cringing at the weird ken penders side of it but still like wanted to read more because it was just such a strange strange thing like why is this a sonic the hedgehog property when it seems to like bear little resemblance to its source material. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a Half-Life head crab in that like Ken Penders just kind of latched onto something that already existed. Like none of the are any of the designs his? Is he like a drawing guy? I think he was mainly just a writer, but I mean I assume if we continue with this series we'll learn a lot more about Ken Penders. Yeah, because that's kind of what fascinates me about it is that like cause Sonic like is cool like i love sonic as a kid like i know i read some of these comics as a child and i don't think it really registered to me because like it wasn't like i went out of my way for them it was like maybe i went to the grocery store and saw them on my way out and convinced my mom to buy me one right and for me it was like oh it's this video game character i love in a comic book but you kind of as you get into it which we won't today because this isn't a ken penders comic but like this weird man with his weird psychology kind of made it a vehicle <laughs> for whatever it is he believes. Yeah, it gets it takes a while, but once he starts taking the reins, it goes off in some unexpected directions. That's the word I'll use for now. Yeah. <laughs> do we want to well, I mean I can't, but do you have like a good synopsis of the Penders thing? Do we want to get into that or do we want to focus on this one issue for now? I think we should probably save it until you know, it becomes more relevant. Word. In terms of what you asked about, like whether any of the character designs were his, I think once they start expanding the Knuckles Echidna universe, that's when he claims he was creating all of these characters. Okay, that makes sense because Knuckles was like kind of his baby once he got around to it, wasn't he? Yeah, it seems like it because he he created like this giant uh, family tree for him. But again, we'll save that for later (laughs) yeah we'll we'll take it one step at a time because we could get very far ahead of ourselves yeah yeah for now i guess we can we can start talking about this issue by itself uh it was released in july of 1993 and i was under the impression before i i started like looking at this that the um sonic the hedgehog cartoon came before the comic 
but this is actually it predates it by a few months yeah in the very end it actually mentions that the cartoon's coming out and that sonic was voiced by urkel which i didn't realize but <laughs> yeah Julia makes White. all the sense <laughs> yeah so i assume these were kind of being developed uh side by side because they feature all of the same characters most of which are not actually from the games yeah i don't know if did any of these characters make it in besides the ones who are already there? As far as I know, no. Like, this one features um, Sonic and Tails, obviously, and Dr. Robotnik and his robot minions. But once it goes beyond that, I don't think any of the characters have ever appeared in a game. And the other characters are Sally Acorn, who is a squirrel, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Antoine de Coulette who is like a French fox. I think he's a fox. He seems like a fox. I'm really not sure. Yeah. Although Tails is also a fox. Yeah, it would be redundant to have two foxes. So by process of elimination, he's something else. Yeah, maybe we'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> and um, uh, Boomer the Walrus. And those three, I believe, only appear in the uh, cartoon, the, the Deke-produced cartoon and uh, this comic book. Uh, in terms of the real human beings behind this comic book, uh, again, this is not, we're not in the Ken Pender zone yet. This was written by Michael Gallagher. Uh, he also has done a lot of work for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Mad Magazine, and Marvel's ALF comic. Oh, so he didn't do like ALF the show? No, I think he just worked on the comic book. Okay, because I was going to say, I was rereading this today and I was kind of like impressed by like how much the voices popped and i mean that's a result of like they kind of play off of like cartoony stereotypes but yeah i do kind of like the way the dialogue's written in some point yeah yeah and he you know michael gallagher he he obviously uh honed that craft with his work on the elf comic book we all agree of course that elf is a work of comedic genius I've honestly never actually <laughs> watched or read like a full elf piece i've only ever seen like clips and like cameos i feel like elf cameos a lot yeah i think that's right uh, i also i mean i watched the show in reruns when i was a kid but i don't remember elf super well <laughs> uh one important tidbit about michael gallagher however uh his uncle is the creator of heathcliff oh so he's <laughs> part of like a dynasty here yeah yeah uh, again uh heathcliff another work of comedic genius <laughs> really the start of comedy before that, we were just kind of like banging rocks together. Yeah, I would say that the Sonic the Hedgehog comic is kind of derivative of Heathcliff in a way. Mm, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I, I'm just making random connections. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the pencils. So the person responsible for most of the art, uh, that would be Dave Manick. That's M-A-N-A-K. He also has a similar resume to Michael Gallagher, uh, and the Sonic fandom wiki says that Dave Manick is, quote, famous for his elf drawings. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I know who he is. <laughs> Do you have any remarks about the cover of this? Uh, let's see. Not really. It's kind of, you know, you got all your characters on there and they're in a big scuffle. And yeah, it's very action packed. Uh, Antoine has a sword, which I don't know if that's a thing that ever really shows up. Yeah, it's a cover. Yeah, just plain white background. Uh, only characters are present on this. We're not wasting any time with any background details. It's just a big fight. Uh, then we can get into the first story. Uh, 
Tony, I believe you said you took more notes than I did. So if I if I miss any details, feel free to jump in. But okay. I guess I'll just start summarizing right. the, the first segment of this book. I do want to make one comment off the top. And I yeah. do feel very strongly that this very first scene is like the best scene in the entire comic. It is yeah. probably like the most character development and maybe the only character development <laughs> that we like ever see. Yeah, so <laughs> the first story, it's called Meet Me at the Corner of Hedgehog and Vine, uh, part one. It's split into two parts. And the very first page, maybe, Tony, maybe you should describe it since you say this is probably the best part of the book. All right. Um, yeah, it starts out and um, you got Robotnik. He's got a scepter with an eight ball on it, but the eight ball has an R on it instead <laughs> because he's Robotnik. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just completely fucking murks Sonic. He has Sonic <laughs> tied to a noose. Yeah. And he's strangling him. Sonic's off the ground. Like, he just yanked him straight up into the fucking air, and Sonic is not looking good. His tongue is green. Yes. Which is the color a, hedge- a hedgehog's tongue turns when they're asphyxiating. <laughs> and he has, Robotnik has with him a crab robot, and the crab robot's laughing. He's fucking just masochistic no sorry that's the wrong word he's a sadist he's a sadistic crab robot yes and he is just loving this scene yeah uh what i wrote here was the first page is just a full panel full page panel of dr robotnik hanging sonic uh we're off to a horrible start Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's macabre it's fucking macabre it's not yeah it's pretty striking um First page of the first issue of Sonic the Hedgehog, he is being killed immediately. We're not... Let's wrap it up, folks. <laughs> Michael Gallagher and Dave Manick are not pulling any punches. Main character is dead. They don't want any sequels. They just want to cash the check and move on. Yeah, I guess this is kind of, you know, predicting the future. Um, the Sonic the Hedgehog comic is going to go far beyond the character himself. We may as well just disregard him completely kill him off page one that is an excellent way to put it <laughs> uh but then we turn the page and page two reveals that this was merely a sonic pinata so yeah. yeah so right off the bat our our writer is showing us what he has up his sleeve he's willing to trick us into believing that our main character has been killed he's mm. not messing around He's not. He really pulls us in with that. He gets us right on the edge of our seat, and he tells us to stay there. And uh, you shouldn't. You really shouldn't. After this couple of pages, it doesn't really go up at all. But I want to say that, I don't know, I love this in terms of like making Robotnik a human, because after he smashes the pinata, he doesn't feel good about himself. He feels mm-hmm. inadequate. He feels like a schmuck because he's destroying a pinata of his... I don't know what you'd call Sonic, like rival, saboteur, but I don't know. It's just kind of like some kind of situation that maybe like a well-intentioned therapist put him up to. It'd be like, maybe this will be cathartic because this whole Sonic obsession is kind of disrupting your entire life. And clearly you're not getting what you want out of it, but it just makes him feel worse. It completely backfires. And to foil that, you have the crab robot who loves it still. <laughs> right. The crab He's... robot. In fact, he says we when <laughs> when the pinata is first destroyed. Oh, he's thrilled. He's picking up the candy off the floor. He's telling Robotnik to try the caramel, caramel creams because they're so exquisite. The crab robot is a representation of the contentment that Robotnik deep down wishes he could have, but doesn't know it yet. And he's still just fixated on 
murdering Sonic for whatever reason that is never established. Yeah, yeah. And a little a bit of cruel irony is that the crab is also one of his creations. So, yeah. you know, his own, the fruit of his labor, this crab robot, is completely satisfied by this sort of uh, empty uh, expression of his anger at Sonic the Hedgehog but he himself feels no satisfaction from this act. Yeah, you have to assume that in developing that robot, he was trying to develop some kind of ideal, and the tra- the tragedy of it all is that he does not recognize that ideal now that it's right in front of him, and experiencing life in a way that he simply cannot. Yeah. Uh, and then after the piñata is destroyed, a SWAT bot enters the room. Uh, I'll, I'll note that the SWAT bot's serial number is 69347892. This is the first time we're encountering numerals in this comic, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we the first two numbers we get are six and nine. No, nah, dude, it's it's a nice, nice fucking signal that they're sending us. Yeah, Michael Gallagher wants us to notice that he's in on the joke. He knows the sex number. Yeah, he's in the Facebook group. <laughs> uh, the SWATBOT comes in to show Robotnik his new invention, a mechanical vine, which he calls... Kudzu. This is like, uh, is it pronounced kudzu or kudzu? It's, I want to say kudzu, but I okay. honestly am not the person to ask. Yeah, it's, you all know what I'm talking about. It's like an invasive vine that sort of crawls all over everything. Well, here's a mechanical version of that, which is called kudzu, which if it's pronounced kudzu, that kind of ruins the pun. But we are just reading words on a page, so... Yeah, I guess it a, still works. <laughs> they do a lot of playing around with sounds and text, and like I pick up on it, but I know if I was a kid reading this, all that shit would be going over my head. Yeah, I don't think I knew what uh, Kudzu was in 1993. <laughs> uh, Robotnik is very abusive to his staff, including the <laughs> aforementioned SWAT bots and the crab. <laughs> I'm so glad to use that exact word because that's exactly what I was thinking throughout this entire comic. He is ridiculously abusive. Like he gaslight. We'll get to that actually. But yeah, no, please keep going. Yeah, and then uh, a the robot with the drill for a nose uh, comes in. Oh, Burrowbot, that's his name. Uh, and his job is going to be to plant the seeds of the Kredzu out in the forest. The other two robots are destroyed. Just uh, Robotnik has, again, a sadistic pleasure in destroying his own creations. Yeah, he's grabbed the, the SWAT bot by the neck, which is, I assume the robot's not breathing through that, but it's still kind of discomforting to look at. It's a mm-hmm. bummer that the crab dies because it's my favorite character. And also I want to point out that uh, the Burrowbot, Dr. Robotnik, threatens the burrow bot and like intimidates it into letting him take credit for his burrowing right <laughs> which again dr robotnik presumably built the burrow bot so he's stealing credit from a robot he built and then supposedly for the other ro- so the other robots that he built are uh, impressed with him it's, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> it is the most recursive form of like abusive egotism i've ever seen right yeah i mean these are mechanical beings that you created like you gave them their purpose there's really no reason for you to be trying to impress them or i mean if you wanted them to just like straight up worship you you could have just built them to do that 
Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, also, I want to mention too. Now that you say that, there's that. Uh, there's this weird vein of fat shaming through the whole thing, but it's kind of like in the tone of fat worshiping, in that all the robots like call like let's see in the last page they call dr robotnik o keeper of the blubber so it's supposed to be kind of like what's the word i'm looking for they think it's good like they're being yeah it's like your highness yeah it's like a very exalting term but obviously they're like talking shit about the character yeah the, like, the readers are supposed to be laughing at that at his expense but presumably dr robotnik loves it so in reality, he loves himself, at least in that regard, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if he programmed them to address him that way, it seems... It like... seems like he's not only comfortable with his body, he loves his body, and frankly, he should. Yeah, he's embraced his his own self-image, which is... Uh, I think, you know, what we've seen of Robotnik, he kind of... He maybe overdoes it a bit, but it's good to have a positive self-image, definitely. 100%. And all these things are kind of like why I love this first page. The next page, we go to the woods, and I have a lot less to say about the rest of the characters here. <laughs> right, yeah. Next page, uh, we cut to Knothole, which is the underground base for Sonic and his friends. Uh, I don't remember if they actually refer to themselves as the Freedom Fighters in this, but that's, you know, the, the term for that group. Uh, Sonic and Sally, she is a squirrel, as I mentioned. Uh, they are discussing military strategy. I'll note here that Sonic is uh, entirely nude except for his footwear and his gloves. And Sally is also entirely nude except for her boots. But Antoine is wearing like a full, is that a petticoat? Right, yeah. So Antoine is jealous that the two of them are discussing strategy without him. Uh, And he is wearing a blue kind of like military jacket. What was the word you used? I use petticoat, and I'm Googling it now just to make sure I'm not making... No, it's not a petticoat at all, dude. A petticoat's like a skirt. Um, (laughs) He's not wearing anything for pants. So, like, the important bits you'd want to cover, he has right out there. Which, if you're going to be in a situation where everyone's nude, you should at least, you know, keep the pants off. (laughs) Right. He's just got the jacket and boots, but no pants. This is a classic cartoon kind of character design. Donald Duck has no pants. Uh... Mickey Mouse is the inverse. He has only pants. You know, it's a a common thing. I mean, whatever makes the silhouette pop. (laughs) So because Antoine is jealous, uh, he decides to go up to the surface. Again, this is an underground base. Uh, As soon as he has arrived in the forest on the surface, he is ensnared by the Crudzu, the mechanical vines. Uh, When, let me see. Yeah, Sonic and Sally hear Antoine yelling for help, and they are rushing off to his rescue. I'll note here that Sonic breaks the fourth wall. He says, this comic book is still called Sonic the Hedgehog, isn't it? And uh, I just want to say, this is only the fifth page of the first issue of the series. And he's already, you know, he has to like reestablish that this is his book. Yeah, and it it happens again one or two other times throughout the course of this one issue. Mm -hmm. He's insecure every time the focus is taken off of him. He's also very, like, he reeks of insecurity in that he's constantly, like, nagging Antoine for no reason at <laughs> yes, all. Yes, Like, I think the readers are supposed to, like, want to dunk on Antoine, but, like, Antoine doesn't really display any qualities aside from, like, having a crush on someone. Yeah, well, he's a French nerd, so... I mean, they don't even really play up his Frenchness in this. I just, like, I know that he's French. Yeah. <laughs> from my other, my other consumption of Antoine media. 
Yeah. I mean, if this were like maybe 2003 and I was 12 years old and like grew up in a gun store, <laughs> I would maybe like be more sympathetic with like just constantly shitting on this guy, but he seems fine. Yeah, I, I like Antoine. He's he's got a cool design. Mostly just that he's wearing clothes is makes him more interesting. Yeah, than it a makes lot him relatable. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else uh, for part one in your notes? Oh, I wrote in my notes that Burrowbot can feel fear, which I felt was important <laughs> to note. I think I'm going to bring that up later, but I just okay. want to say right now that Burrowbot was afraid when Robotnik threatened to throw him in the scrap heap. Yeah, that is important to note. So on to Meet Me at the Corner of Hedgehog and Vine, part two. Uh, this seems to be kind of an arbitrary separation between the two parts of the story because it picks up immediately where the last one left off. Um, I, I assume this is because it's a children's comic book, so they want it to be cut into very short bits. We went from a, a five-page part one to, I think, a seven-page part two. So they, they want to break it up into easily digestible chunks. It helped me. <laughs> so very first page sonic rescues antoine from the crud zoo uh and like you mentioned he was negging him he implies that antoine is not his friend yeah which is rescuing so him. It's like, most, like it's not even like a gentle ribbing it's like dude we're not even fucking friends <laughs> and like i'm saving your life but it doesn't mean that you like mean anything to me i'll just read what he says sonic the hedgehog never deserts a friend in need but since there's none around right now i might as well help you <laughs> He's fucked, dude. And like, this is the part where I want to say, like, there's no point in this comic where it's established that Sonic is any better than Dr. Robotnik. Yeah, I mean, he's not like physically abusing his friends, but he also doesn't seem to have much regard for them. (laughs) He also he and I'm going to kind of like spoil it a bit, but he kills a bunch of robots in the end and the robots feel things. Mm. Yeah, that's true. He's a bit of a sociopath. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> so <laughs> after they uh, get Antoine out of the the vines, they bring him to, and they bring Antoine to Boomer. This is Boomer's introduction. He is a a large purple walrus. He wears a yellow backwards baseball cap and a green belt over his shoulder, kind of like a. It looks like an ammunition belt or something. Yeah, it's like an ammo belt with no ammo, so it's. It's all, it's just like a strap he has on there. Mm-hmm. I I like it. I just don't know what it's used for. Yeah, this is also a more interesting design than a lot of the other characters. Again, mostly because of the clothing choice. Uh, so even though they got Antoine out of the vines, he still has some of the vines wrapped around himself. Uh, so they brought him to Boomer to help for Boomer to help remove the vines that are still attached to him. At the end of page two of this story, Boomer takes out his big orange chainsaw. It's orange because it's safer that way. <laughs> right. It's like the uh, like a fake gun with the orange tip. Uh, he shows his chainsaw to Antoine, the implication being that he's going to use this chainsaw to remove the vines. But once again, Michael Gallagher uh, is is fooling the audience because you turn the page and no boomer was just bringing out this chainsaw in order to uh cut off the end of his work table <laughs> he definitely had me going i was worried that he was gonna hurt antoine yeah this was some clever misdirection once again and my notes for this page is just we're breaking the fourth wall cool right yeah uh, sonic once again looks at the audience he says boomer had me fooled how about you 
Yes, he did. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so once uh, they get the, the vines removed, the kredzu, they get that removed from Antoine's body. Uh, Antoine has fainted at the side of the chainsaw, by the way, because he's a weak French man. Oh, actually, one thing I did want to note there. Uh, he was so scared of the chainsaw that his hair jumped off of his head. I don't know if you yeah, noticed that. I did, and I was wondering, like, is the implication that he wears, like, a toupee, or is this just, like, a cartoonish hijink? It, it seems like the hair landed right back on his head, so I, I guess mm-hmm. it's real hair. It just detaches. Yeah, I think it was just kind of a slapstick cartoon thing, but I also I had a per- parenthetically here that says toupee. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. Okay, so they get the, the vines off of uh, Antoine, and they place them in a bucket. Oh, and I'm just realizing as they're pulling the vines off, the onomatopoeia is just yank, pull, rest. And those aren't, <laughs> those aren't noises. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it, you know, the sound of yank and pull. <laughs> and, That's why there's... Yeah. <laughs> and then he splats the mechanical, the robot into a bucket. I don't know why the metal presumably metal robot is splatting into the bucket right well as the story progresses i think that may be an important point so after they've placed all these pieces into a bucket they wake antoine up they're taking him around trying to uh, help him like get his bearings back and now we're introduced to tails i believe this is tails's first appearance in the story tails arrives and he sees the cut up vines in the bucket he thinks that they are real plants so he decides to water them. Uh, I'll note, uh, like his mentor, Sonic, Tails is also nude except for gloves and shoes. He's got like a wristband on too. I think there's, they're just long gloves. <laughs> is that what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, you're right. They just look orange in this one panel. Hmm. So as any child would, he sees a bunch of dead plants in a bucket and decides that they need to be watered. Which is kind of like the heartfelt thing to do. I appreciate that about him. Yeah, Tails is a sweet character. Uh, he has a a, <laughs> a naive uh, sort of view of the world, and it's it's very charming. Yeah, I notice he also has like that kind of Gen X kind of sassiness to him in this. A little bit, yeah, because he looks up to Sonic, so that, I think, influences the way that he, he talks to people and the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the others, the older characters, they notice that Tails has watered the plants and they are afraid that Tails has revived them. However, because these are mechanical plants, the water actually makes them short circuit. So up until this point, I don't think that the characters realized that the Kredzu was mechanical. I think they thought that this was like an actual organic plant. Yeah, that was definitely what was going on. So I think that may be why they were splatting when they were thrown into the bucket. They have some sort of like believable realistic uh, plant fiber feeling to them i guess yeah, that's pretty cool i do love technology yeah that swat bot did a great job it did an excellent job did not deserve what they got <laughs> uh so on the next page we cut to robotnik back at his base he is observing the kredzu infesting the forest through a telescope uh tony i'm wondering if you have any thoughts on this telescope uh i have thoughts about so they have two very funny signs one says see the great forest 25 cents and then taped to the bottom it says plus 50 dollars tax and you know that's funny because that's an exorbitant tax it's kind of like it got you Mm -hmm. look at you but um beyond that and this comes up again later in the comic but i don't really 
I mean, maybe they explain it later, but I don't see a place for money in this society so far. <laughs> yeah, there is that. And my thought was, uh, who is around to be tricked by this telescope? It seems like Robotnik is the only like living being in this area. Yeah, and I mean, the robots, they have like feelings and stuff. But again, he built all of them. So, again, you would think he would be, like, the arbiter of the economy, so why does he need money from them when he could probably just kind of manufacture that money in some regard, or not even need money because he could just demand things from the robot? Yeah, he owns everything. I don't think he actually has a need for money. You're right. Uh, So he sends an army of bees into the woods, Uh, but then we cut back to Knothole and the Freedom Fighters realize that uh, there's going to be a rainstorm soon, which will take care of the mechanical plants that have infested the forest. So the problem's going to solve itself. And once the storm comes, yes, indeed, the Kredzu is destroyed, as the small clippings were in the bucket when Tails watered them, a miniature version of the event that we're now witnessing. And when uh, Robotnik realizes what has happened, he uh, destroys the burrow bot who had planted the seeds for him. Yeah, and I mean, it's abuse. We got to call it what it is. Um, I don't really have anything to add to it. It's just sad. It's sad to see it happen like that. Yeah, it's tr- certainly not the burrow bot's fault that the absolutely not the Crudzu was uh, not impervious to rain. Yeah, I also have in my notes here for page six that um, it seems like the plant is Italian. <laughs> right, yeah, I didn't note that. But um, when they've short-circuited, uh, they're kind of like insulting the Freedom Fighters. And one of them says, ah, Yafada's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something me and my family say all the time when we're kind of mad at each other. <laughs> yeah, is that like a Boston saying? <laughs> uh, no, no, I've literally never heard that before in my life. Oh yeah, there was one other instance of the the vines talking. Uh, on page two of part two, Sally punches one of the vines, and it says "Ufa." Yeah. <laughs> the plant also calls her toots, which is like, <laughs> it's like some weird nineteen twenties misogyny slag going on. Oh yeah, that's on the first I don't page. Know. Hiya toots. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I've never seen Little Shop of Horrors, but maybe they're going for kind of that vibe. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, whatever that Venus flytrap character was called. I don't remember. It was a very sassy plant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these are like smaller versions of that. Makes sense. Uh, So after that story concludes with the unjustified destruction of the Burrowbot, we are presented with some bumper stickers. Now, Justin, I want to ask, when you saw these, did you imagine what you know happened at some point, which is a child taping these pulp paper to their parents' car? (laughs) (laughs) that's just getting disintegrated in the (laughs) rain yeah that's exactly what i was thinking about uh the instructions say clip these and tape them to your family vehicle Uh, at this point uh comic books were being printed on newsprint so i mean a particularly vulnerable form of paper Oh, uh, the worst ones were probably like completely covered in packing tape, so that like a little water would creep in, but it would take a really long time to really peel off. Yeah, especially since the the previous story ended with a rainstorm. Like the weather is already on your mind. <laughs> yeah, I really should have thought about that. <laughs> uh, did you have a favorite of the four bumper stickers that are available here? Uh, let's see. They are vertical on my monitor, and I don't know how to. Oh wait, is this a? 
I I lost the page. I think okay. we should move on because I have to find it again. <laughs> well, my favorite one says, I would rather be playing Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, if I'm driving my car, I'd rather not be. I'd rather be at home playing my Sega Genesis. Yeah, dude, driving cars is dog shit. I know we have some <laughs> car drivers in the audience, but dude, that shit sucks. Yeah. So on to the next story uh, we have here, You Bet My Life, part one. Uh, first page, we've got Sally, Boomer, Antoine, and Tails. They're calling for help from Sonic. They need his help to uh, fold a map. The four of them could not take care of this. They need help from <laughs> their worst friend. <laughs> <laughs> the worst fucking guy. <laughs> like, literally, you could have just, like, not called him and not reinforced his behavior. Because as soon as he comes in, he starts shitting on Antoine again. Yes, he does. He calls... They call for him in unison. They yell his name, Sonic. And he he rushes into the room and he calls them a Greek chorus. They, he says they sound like a Greek chorus. But then he immediately revises that to geek chorus in order to insult Antoine once again. Uh, they inform Sonic that Robotnik will be giving a speech at Casino Night Zone. This is the first reference to a level within the Sonic games. Yeah, there's some cross-promotion going on there, which is cool. I, I don't know, do you think they got paid for that, or was that like a stipulation in the contract? I imagine it's probably part of the deal, is that they would refer to the games occasionally. <laughs> Uh, but at the end of page two, Sonic, in fact, tells the audience to get out their Genesis and play the game Sonic 2 up until the Casino Night Zone level. And as uh, video game players, we're both very familiar with making, you know, contrived moral choices where you get two options and one's more good than the other. And the good choice in this one is to just play the Casino Night Zone level, because if you follow through with this timeline, again, Sonic commits a genocide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll we'll get to that so sonic tells the readers you know play the game and <laughs> and that will get me to the casino night zone <laughs> so once you have played up until the casino night zone level then you can see sonic has arrived he's at reno botnik he goes inside and a sexy lady robot wearing a bra offers him free 10w40 oil while he gambles which is a do you think you would have gotten that joke as a child i don't know maybe i mean it's clear that this is a casino for robots because there are all mm. robots playing games around them i think i would understand like robots they want to cons consume oil as we would consume human drinks <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean if this and again this kind of supports my um my whole theory here that the robots are just as human as us, like they are also subject to vice. Right, right. They, yeah. they are um, motivated by pleasure principles. Yeah, Robotnik has given his creations, at least some of them, they have the drive to gamble. Oh, and we're back to the money thing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we are. And that's actually in my notes. That's the first place that I mentioned that. But now that I reread it, I kind of noticed that again earlier. Yeah, so who's issuing the currency and what is the purpose of the currency so i know we plan on reading a lot of these i'm gonna make a bet and say that that is never resolved or was ever even thought about yeah i don't know maybe michael gallagher has some ideas on the economy of dr robotnik's nation state here and maybe the lore runs deep i mean the kenders lore runs deep maybe <laughs> michael gallagher just never got his chance yeah 
Um, I just want to ask you, in uh, one of the panels here, Sonic says, this joint is juicing. And uh, do you, what decade, if any, do you think that was uh, a colloquialism? Yeah, calling a place a joint, it gives me the feeling of like noir detective dialogue. That kind of makes sense given the setting. I've just never heard of juicing. Yeah, that part, I don't know. Is he just saying that because of the oil? Maybe. Um, I'm also just noticing there's a carp's table with just the fish flying off of it. Oh, I missed that. That's a pretty good bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Very cartoon joke. Uh, so there's a sign in the casino that's advertising the speech that Robotnik will be giving, which is the reason that Sonic is here, of course. Uh, I do like that they use Robotnik's first name. He did that back in the first story as well, but uh, Dr. Robotnik's first name is Ivo. I've never heard that name before. Yeah, that's a very kind of confusing thread to the Sonic universe is like, what is this character's name? (laughs) Yeah, because it it seems to vary too between the comics and the games. Like, is Ivo a holdover from the games? Like part of the, I don't know, I guess you'd call it the instruction manual material? Or was that something where the comic writers got to take liberties? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I know originally, like in Japan... He was Eggman from the start, I believe. And then they gave him a more, I guess, anglicized name of uh, Robotnik here in the States. The first name, Ivo, I'm not sure. Yeah, like you said, it's probably something that the American division of Sega just put in the instruction manual. It looks like, uh, according to Wikipedia, it's a masculine given name in various European languages. So now our viewers know. Yeah, maybe it came from Sega of Europe. There's also, like, in uh, in Sonic Adventure 2, there's, like, the flashbacks to, like, his father or something. There's, like, a skinny version of Robotnik who created Shadow. Oh, my God, yeah. I can't start talking about Sonic. <laughs> that shit got... It's such a weird franchise, dude. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll save it. Uh, so before Robotnik takes the stage to give his speech at the casino, uh, I noticed that there's a sign backstage that says... No spitting on stage. And then in parentheses below that, it says, except Robotnik. And you know he's spitting. (laughs) Right. So does that mean that, I mean, once again, I believe Dr. Robotnik is the only, like, biological being in this world here. Did he make his robots capable of spitting? Honestly, given what we've seen so far of the character, it wouldn't surprise me if he gave these robots, like, very human excretions and the like and impulses so that he could in turn punish him punish them for you know humoring those impulses he's like dr robotnik is like the catholic god he is the god of catholicism he gave all these creations like all these impulses all these pleasures and then he shames them for feeling them and expressing them yeah i think you're onto something there I don't know how intentional it is, but I think <laughs> that's definitely what's coming across. Like He's a very cruel god. And also, since we're reading a comic, I think a comparison could probably be made to Doctor Doom. Maybe um, you'd have to explain that one to me. I don't want to get too much into it, but you know who Doctor Doom is? Like the Fantastic Four villain? Barely, honestly. Okay. It, it's kind of a similar situation to what it looks like Robotnik has going on here. He's got like his own country, and he has built a bunch of robot bodyguards and servants that just surround him at all times. 
And he's just sort of a, he rules his nation with an iron fist. Very similarly to Robotnik here. Dr. Doom is also very cool to his robots. Not in such like a slapstick way. Like it's not as much of a cartoon as it is here. But, um, you know, he, he doesn't really have much regard for their well-being because they're just his robot creations. Mm. Do those robots feel though? Uh, I would have to look into it. Okay, because so far it sounds like Dr. Robotnik's worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost it's almost even more criminal to put them in this light. <laughs> it's kind of lightning. What are just atrocities? Yeah, true. Uh, so this the first part of the story ends with Sonic getting a front row seat for the speech. And this is an occasion for Robotnik to unveil his latest robot creation, which is called Orbinot. Uh, if you remember from the games, there's kind of like a floating sphere that has some spiky balls orbiting itself which then shoot towards you, the player. Yeah, they show up in Casino Night Zone, and um, it's kind of like it's a very, in the game, underwhelming, just kind of, you know, trash mob of an enemy. So to build up to this point in the comic where this is the grand creation is kind of a (laughs) letdown. Yeah. But the last panel is the Orbanaut shooting one of its spike balls at Sonic, who is then knocked out. So it's, it's a lot more powerful here in the comic than it was in the game. Yeah, in the game, you just lose some rings, you carry on. But yeah. now Sonic has a concussion now. Yeah, and uh, if we want to point out the automatopoeia here, we get a big N-O-K as the ball hits Sonic in the head. Well, and to go earlier, uh, it says here, fling. Yeah. <laughs> next to the Orbanaut. <laughs> <laughs> the knock is good. The knock, you know, it sounds like you're doing damage. But the fling, it's like, uh, would have been better off without that. Similar to yank and pull. Yeah, same stuff. Yeah, so we get fling and then knock. And Sonic, is, has, his eyes have been kind of fucked up from the the knock as well. Yeah, I don't remember much from EMT school, but they teach you that if the eyes do that, there's a big problem. Yeah, and if we move on to part two, uh, definitely a big problem for Sonic. Uh, this is more of like a hard break between parts because we flash forward to uh, a SWAT bot has placed Sonic inside of a glass ball. So they knocked him out with the Orbanaut and now they've trapped him within a little ball. Uh, Robotnik decides that this Sonic in a ball will be used in his pinball machine. Did you notice uh, the sign on the bottom left of the pinball machine? Is it, are you talking about the insert ball sign? <laughs> no, but that is funny. Uh, on the next page, when it shows like the big, like the full page view of the table. Okay, I did not notice that. You're talking about the rules, none. <laughs> yes. Uh, there, are, there are probably better ways to to state that. Yeah, there's uh, a little placard here on the pinball table which says "rules, none." There's a little R next to it, so Robotnik has declared there are no rules to his pinball game. Which, when you're talking about the ball, really just means you, you can tilt it. Right, like it seems to be functioning just like a regular pinball machine, so I, <laughs> I don't know I don't know that he's really breaking the mold here. The rules seem to be the same as any other pinball machine. It's a very cramped pinball machine. It doesn't look like you can... Oh, wait, no, it's... All right, so in my notes, I actually wrote, this is kind of a jarring panel to read because it's one panel but they still tried to have like a sequence to it. And the way that works is they just kind of drew Sonic throughout various points of it. Yeah. But if you didn't know the context, you would just think there's like five Sonics <laughs> in a football machine. Yeah, yeah. It is confusing. 
Uh, and we get a lot of sound effects here as well. Um, crackle, boing, zap, cha-ching, ding, doing, bwang, blat, ching. <laughs> There's a splat in the top right corner for some reason. Oh, yeah. I don't think glass really splats. Uh, did you notice the flippers? <laughs> yep, there's the pinball flippers have little pictures of dolphins on them, which That's is a, cute. a reference to Flipper, the dolphin TV show and movie, I think. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, another kind of misuse of splat. Because that's the same noise as when they threw the kudzu in the bucket earlier. Yeah, I think it's like you were being pretty generous by saying maybe the kudzu had like biological mesh or something similar to it. But mm-hmm. I just, I think these people might not know what a splat is. <laughs> they just need to fill space, I guess. Oh, shoot. I missed, I'm, I missed one of the best uh, sound effects here. Uh, as the... As the pinball that Sonic is inside is hit by the um, what is that thing called? The thing that I think you used to plunger. Yeah, the plunger. That's right. Uh, as the plunger hits the ball, it says "bop." It's a nice bop, dude. <laughs> it's it's uh, green on yellow with a little star in the O. It looks nice. Yeah, that one's a good one. Uh, so after Robotnik has batted around Sonic in this pinball machine for a little bit, uh, he's alerted by another SWAT bot to. Somebody winning money in the casino, which is is not acceptable to Dr. Robotnik. And as we referenced earlier, the SWAT bot addresses Robotnik as my lumpy lord. Mm-hmm. I think we, there was a panel before this where he called him like O obese one or something like that. Yeah. Um, did you uh, did you have any thoughts about like so when he leaves to take care of the uh, the high roller winning fifty cents like Doctor Robotnik does his own brutal pit boss work again <laughs> like this is a man who could delegate literally any single task he wants to the only time he does anything is because he wants to yeah and he wants to just bludgeon somebody with a hammer for winning a couple of quarters off of him this is just what he lives for this is where the money makes sense. Because the money gives him an excuse to do things like this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's got thousands of robots that could easily take care of what's happening on the casino floor. But he's just such a cruel sadist that he has to go inflict the punishment himself. He has to feel what it feels like to do that. That seems mm. to be the only the only reason any of this exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, he only seems motivated by inflicting pain pretty effective villain in that regard um i mentioned uh my lumpy lord i initially misread this as my lumpy load (laughs) 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 oh that's a term of endearment (laughs) the r uh kind of looks like an a in this scan of the comic yeah no it really does it's not it's not a great r (laughs) Um, so while uh, Robotnik is absent from the room, Sonic figures out that he can cut the glass that's imprisoning him in this ball. He can cut that glass with his spines. Mm-hmm. He does a Sonic spin attack, which is the attack we all love to do in our favorite Sonic the Hedgehog video games. <laughs> that's right. You crouch, and then you hit the jump button. Unless it's Sonic 1, in which case you have to gain momentum. Right, right. Okay, uh, so Robotnik comes back. He places Sonic inside the glass ball. Uh, in the pinball machine again. This time, because Sonic knows he can break the glass, he escapes from the ball, and he destroys the pinball table, just spinning all over the place. Uh, I'd like to point out here that uh, 
Robotnik calls him Little Pig Man. (laughs) (laughs) Is a hedgehog like a pig? Are they related? (laughs) Um, Well, hog, I guess. I mean, it's in the name. (laughs) And then Sonic calls him Badnik, which just makes him sound cooler. Yeah, I I like Little Pig Man a lot better than any of the insulting ways that Robotnik has been referred to. Yeah, Little Pig Man is kind of brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so now, you know, they're fighting because Sonic has escaped the table. You know, he knocks knocks around the robots for a little bit, and then he escapes the casino. And as he's running away, uh, he reveals to us that he has planted a bomb inside of Reno Botnik. <laughs> <laughs> you never see this bomb. It's never hinted at. <laughs> it's like never like poking out of a backpack as like an act of foreshadowing earlier in the book. He just mm-hmm. kind of has the bomb. Yeah, he never mentions it until he is leaving. Like, at some point, he left a bomb inside this building. And it's it's a large building, which is completely obliterated, so it's a serious bomb. Yeah, Sonic stands at a safe distance, and he observes the resulting mushroom cloud, uh, which says blammo when it first goes off. Also, when Sonic is running away from Renobotnik, the sound effect is zoosh. Is yeah. A good running sound. It is. <laughs> Uh, so after he blows up the casino, destroying uh, probably thousands of robots. Who are just, you know, living their lives, perpetuating the economy, enjoying themselves, having a good time. Literally, like, most of the robots in that place were not hostile towards Sonic, or anyone really. Yeah, he was offered free oil just like anyone else. Uh, after he destroys a bunch of robots who we know have been programmed to feel fear and pain, uh, he's back at the secret base... Uh, Antoine is <laughs> requesting his help to open a bottle of pills because he's a French weakling once again. Probably taking lorazepam, fucking coward. <laughs> and our young friend Tails, he denounces underage gambling. Yeah, Tails is a very sweet kid. And that's how the story ends, with uh, mass destruction, and it ends where it began, with... Sonic's uh, friends being entirely too dependent upon him. Yeah, no no room for introspection whatsoever. They're just moving on. And speaking of moving on, uh, we then get three one-page stories in a row. I don't know if I took any notes on these. Yeah, just real briefly, I can, I can tell you what happened. Uh, the first one is called I'd Like to Thank. Uh, Boomer and Sally are presenting the Acorn Awards. Uh, Sonic, of course, he wins every trophy in this award show, and he just runs around like an asshole. Yeah, I, um, I did take notes on this, and my note is just, oh, I get it, because Sonic is fast. <laughs> yep, he's fast, and he's the most important uh, person in any of their lives. Uh, after that one, we get Keep Looking Up. Uh, this one, at least the premise, is that uh, this is a reader wrote in asking a question he asks sonic uh what speed sonic has to reach in order for his legs to start blurring this came from jr kincaid from vero beach florida and sonic tests uh he starts running to figure out how fast he needs to go before his legs become a blur and the answer is what sonic dubs transonic yeah which is faster than ultrasonic or supersonic speed to be precise Right. Yeah, it goes from ultrasonic to supersonic up to transonic. So uh, you may not have known this, but the fastest speed that Sonic can reach is called transonic. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like I learned something for all of this, so that's cool. <laughs> uh, he runs into a tree branch also. That's the, the punchline for that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't take pleasure in other people's pain, but he sort of needed to be humbled by something. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the last story is called Fast Food. And this is just Sonic giving us a recipe for chili dogs. Uh, and then because there's no actual like action or jokes in this comic, uh, it ends with Sally throwing a pie in Sonic's face to make up for that. Yeah, to, to shed some light on the formatting, it's literally, you know, the first panel takes up the entire top of the page, and it's the recipe. You can go make this. And then the rest of it is just Sally walking over to the fridge. This is four panels. She walks to the fridge. She pulls out a pie. She pies Sonic, and then Sonic's sitting there with the pie in his face. Mm-hmm. So they filled up the whole page. You should be proud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the chili dog recipe seems to be completely serious, too. Like, I, I read the whole thing. Uh, seems like a legitimate chili dog recipe. So if you're looking for a chili dog recipe, go pick up Sonic the Hedgehog number one from Archie Comics. Yeah, dog, you can DM me. I'll send you a screenshot of this. <laughs> okay, and then we get to the letters page at the end. This is called Sonic Grams. I do want to say this was kind of a treat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first note here is uh, it's from the editor of this comic. His name is Daryl Edelman. And as we mentioned earlier, he's promoting the upcoming Sonic cartoon. And he uh, he specifically points out that Jaleel White is going to be the voice of Sonic, which is very exciting uh, in the early 90s because Jaleel White was Urkel on Family Matters. Uh, but something I really enjoyed here was that uh, Daryl misspelled Urkel. <laughs> How do you spell Urkel? Uh, it's it's U R K E L, and he oh, he spelled it E R K E L. That rules! I love it. <laughs> so he's very I excited guess, about it, but how do you print media, dude? <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you something? Yeah. What's up? Are there any of these letters that you would read verbatim for me and the listeners? <laughs> I was. Would you do it in the '90s voice? I was thinking kind of the same thing that we could maybe read these. Um, so, do you have a favorite of the three, or should we just do all of them? <laughs> Oh, Actually, there's God. four. Yeah, I think I do have a favorite, but I like almost don't want to read it. I will. If you read one, I'll read one. Okay, okay. Which one was your favorite? I'm not going to say it because I don't actually want to read it. I kind of <laughs> want you to read it, but I'm, I'm not going to tell you which one it is. So we've got one, two, three, four. Uh, <laughs> is three your favorite? Three is my favorite. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, read it. I'll read it. Um, okay, so here we go. Dear Sonic... I just got issue number zero of your great new comic, and it is a blast. My favorite part was the story, Don't Cry For Me, Mobius. While I enjoy seeing Antoine get set up, my favorite part by far is when you completely humiliate that pop metal puke Robotnik. I love it when you cause that corroded cuckoo to get hit with his own wrecking ball. No less than that rusted reject deserved. Oh yes, a little advice for Boomer. If you're going to plant a sap, try planting Robotnik. Oh! Preferably six feet under. Hell yeah. Lastly, could you do me a favor? Give Robotnik an extra boot to the head for me. Fucking kill him. May your spines never grow dull. Don Lewis from Fortuna, California. I love it, dude. I love that they just straight up are just like, fucking murder him. (laughs) Presumably this is like an eight-year-old too, just like, playing Sonic the Hedgehog and, like, defeating Robotnik and, like, watching him blow up and, like, have, like, the sit all over his face and just being like, I just wish he'd fucking die. (laughs) (laughs) 
my impression of this one actually was I assumed that Don Lewis was maybe a little bit too old to be writing into the Sonic the Hedgehog comic. Yeah, he's using a lot of vocab. Um, <laughs> I honestly, my first instinct is that one of the one of the comic writers wrote that, or maybe like someone at the the publisher or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the staff's response to his letter is just consider him booted, Don. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we fucking domed him with the heel of our boots. <laughs> For you, Don. Uh, the other letters, one of them is asking if the comic will feature more villains from the Sonic 2 game. Uh, the second one is a kid saying that he wants to be Tails for Halloween, which I, I really appreciated that one. I like that one. Yeah, that's cute. I also, I feel like they completely blew that kid off in their response. That's true, yeah. Yeah, let me just read what he says. Yeah. So, dear Sonic, Grams, and Tails. So he's addressing Tails uh, specifically here. I like your new comic books. I have a Sega Genesis with Sonic 1 and 2. I heard they're going to make a TV show about you and Sonic. I wonder what your voice will sound like. I'm going to dress up like Tails the Fox on Halloween. Where did you buy those shoes? Acme Kid, Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> Do you want to read the response to this letter? Yeah, I'm going to read it in... Well, I'm, I'm going to try to make the most obnoxious voice I can muster. <laughs> um, Listen, Acme Kid, we'll tell you where Tails bought his sneaks if you tell us where you got your moniker. <laughs> that's, that's typed out in all caps, too. Yeah, yeah, it's bold. <laughs> so the kid just wants to know where he can get some two-tone red-white shoes that are pointy and... <laughs> And these writers are more concerned with the name Acme Kid. Which they're not going to get a response for. They know they're not going to get that response. They just... Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know where to get those sneakers, but come on. <laughs> I do wonder if the Acme Kid tried to write back. He almost definitely did. <laughs> Dude, if I got a response in the back of a comic book, I'd be writing them back every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other, the last letter is just somebody asking if uh, they will also do a Streets of Rage comic. Which, hey, that's, I don't know, that's a cool idea. I like the Streets of Rage games. Yeah, they were cool. You, they told you not to trust cops and that meme we all like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the response from the uh, staff is just, we don't know, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, they ask what do the rest of you think, which is, I guess, like maybe them saying if they get enough letters, they'll do it. Yeah, so maybe we'll see if more people write in asking for a Streets of Rage comic. Yeah, they really, yeah, they they get questions and all these, and none of these questions are really answered because the the other first letter is like someone who's apparently really into like like he's asking what other enemies from the games will be in the comics, mm -hmm. and they know the names of the enemies like right they list them: Spiker, Whips, Spiny, Rexon, Coconut, Valkyrie, Slicer. Do you know who any of these are? <laughs> I know Coconut is uh, the monkey that's in from the Sonic trees. 2. Yeah, in Sonic Two. Yeah, they throw coconuts at you, so mm -hmm. that would have been my guess. But the rest of these, maybe Spiker's like the wasp. Maybe the wisp is the wasp. <laughs> right, I don't know. Yeah, this kid just like, he has his Sonic 2 instruction manual next to him. These All these kids were probably in the Chris Chan set. And yeah. maybe Don Lewis was an adult at the time who's definitely in the Chris Chan set. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the impression that comes from that. Just listing all of the Sonic 2 enemies by name. <laughs> I have a catalog of all this in my head, so. All right. Well, we made it. Yeah, we, we read and discussed. We read and spoke about the first issue of Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, I was thinking if we go ahead with this series, uh, 
next time we could maybe discuss, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there was actually a mini series that preceded number one of this. Yeah, series. I was, so I had this in my notes and I didn't realize it till either yesterday or today because they mention in these letters that they're reading other copies of the comic book. Yeah. And I thought for sure that they were staged because I was like, <laughs> how do you read the comic before the comic's out? But no, they, they had like a, a preceding issue apparently. Yeah, there was a mini series that they put out before it started like a regular ongoing series. So I'm thinking if we, if and when we do another episode, we could discuss uh, the mini series as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Well, Tony, thanks for uh, reading this and discussing it with me for a podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I think that was fun, and I hope that we have we take the time to do more. Same, dog, same. I think uh, there's a lot of psychology to unpack here, and all that psychology will be erased when we get to the Ken Penders part of the <laughs> series. Yeah, replaced with an entirely new psychology. Uh, listeners, thanks once again for subscribing to the Rock Hard Caucus Patreon. Uh, I hope you... This is kind of a a diversion from the usual subject matter that we cover on this show. So I hope you enjoyed this little trip through uh, Mobius and the world of Sonic and his, not exactly friends, but his associates. I mean, they seem to like each other for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, it's a bit of a lighter fare than what we usually get into. So we're going to try to do more of it. So I hope you enjoyed it and continue enjoying it. And if you want to read this stuff yourself, um, I mean, this... This stuff, I'm sure, is like out of print at this point, but it's pretty easy to find on the internet. So I'm not going to tell you exactly on the podcast how to pirate this material, but I'll just say it's pretty easy to find. DM Ken Penders. <laughs> He'll help you. He has a copy of everything, I'm sure. All right, that's all for this uh, first edition of Speed Freak Read Speak. I love you, Iowa. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.